Until 22nd of March 2022, Tate Britain is exploring the work of William Hogarth and his European contemporaries during the changing times of the 18th century. Hogarth frequently crops up in the history of British art, and a recent exhibition at the Sir John Soane's Museum focused on Hogarth's narrative series, including A. Rake's Progress, Marriage a la Mode, Four Times of Day and the Happy Marriage. See my blog about this exhibition, whilst Tate Britain included these paintings in the extensive display, they also introduced many of Hogarth's lesser-known paintings. Recognized for his satirical, scandalous images of London life, William Hogarth, 1679-1764, often attempted to show humor in his paintings. The scenes depict the everyday experiences of the audience in 18th-century society. The social changes ultimately led to today's moral standards, yet many of the themes Hogarth and his contemporaries painted are now considered racist, sexist and xenophobic stereotypes. In 1750, Hogarth painted the March of the Guards to Finchley for George II, 1683-1760, but the king felt insulted at the supposed mockery of his best troops. The painting depicts a fictional scene in Tottenham Court Road as the soldiers marched to Finchley to defend London from the Second Jacobite Rebellion of 1745. The uprisings, which began in the late 17th century, aimed to return the Stuart dynasty to the throne of England after the deposition of James II, 1633-1701, during the Glorious Revolution of 1688. Rather than producing a respectful image of the march, Hogarth exaggerated their lack of training and discipline. Hogarth also satirized the public in their interaction with the troops. A milkmaid is caught in a passionate embrace with one soldier while another woman tries to attract the attention of a drummer. One man urinates against a wall, and nearby a soldier collapses in a drunken stupor. Some troops rob the civilians, whose attention is on an impromptu boxing match between two soldiers. As well as mocking the English army, Hogarth poked fun at the French soldiers in the gates of Calais or O, the roast beef of Old England, 1748. Hogarth painted this scene after returning from Calais, where he had served as an English spy. In the center, a man carries a joint of British beef to the Lion d'Argent Inn, while a group of malnourished French soldiers and a fat friar eye it hungrily. The state of the French troops suggests they fared badly during the war and the large friar indicates the church focused inwardly rather than helping those in need. As well as city life, Hogarth painted scenes inside homes and buildings, including a self-portrait showing him at work. The artist painting the comic muse, 1757, depicts Hogarth painting the muse of comedy on a canvas. Critics suggest the painting represents Hogarth's motto my picture was my stage and men and women my actors. X-ray analysis reveals Hogarth originally included a small dog relieving himself on a pile of old master paintings, indicating Hogarth thought his work better than his predecessors. The self-portrait, while sparse in terms of decoration, provides an insight into the style of furniture during the 18th century. Hogarth sits on an upholstered chair from the American colonies. Its cabriole legs and vase-shaped splats make the chair appear more suited to a dining room or living room than an artist's studio. Hogarth's decision to include the furniture may indicate he made a good living and did not face poverty like many other artists. In contrast to the suggestion of wealth in Hogarth's self-portrait is his fictional painting of the distressed poet, 1736. Whilst the redware teapot on the mantelpiece suggests the family once experienced money, the disheveled attic room, full of mismatched furniture, indicates a fall in status. Whilst the poet scratches his head in search of inspiration, a milkmaid demands money from his wife for her services, which the couple cannot afford to pay. Meanwhile, a dog steals the last of the family's food from a plate near the doorway. Art historians suggest Hogarth took inspiration from Alexander Pope's, 1688-1744, series of narrative poems called The Dunciad, 1728-43. The satirical work celebrates the goddess Dullness, 
and her mission is to convert the world to stupidity. Pope mocks the downfall of several people and societies, including the Hanoverian Whigs and George II. Still Dunce II rules like Dunce I. Underneath the daring mockery, the poem contains a moral warning that those experiencing wealth and power are not immune to failure. During the 1760s, London was the most populous city in Europe, with approximately 740,000 inhabitants. As a center of global trade, it attracted people from all over the country, continent and further abroad. Unfortunately, a large proportion of the city's wealth came from the slave trade and society's attitudes towards other ethnicities resulted in the unfair treatment of hundreds of thousands of people. Paris, with a population of 600,000, was poorer than London but had the same attitudes towards other cultures, often appropriating their fashions but refusing to treat people fairly. Hogarth's painting of Southwark Fair, originally titled Humours of the Fair, illustrates a fair held in Southwark, London, 1732. The busy scene shows a tradeswoman selling crockery underneath a stage that is starting to collapse. Oblivious to the imminent destruction, she is playing dice while acrobats perform balancing acts on tight ropes between buildings and costumed actors mingle with the crowd. Fairs such as these were popular in Hogarth's time, particularly amongst the lower classes of society. They provided an opportunity for traders to sell their wares and the poor to experience theatre and musical performances without paying extortionate fees. The painting of Southwark Fair is not geographically accurate but captures the typical amusements and crowds associated with the fair that ran in London since King Edward IV, 1442-83, made it official in 1462. For two weeks, the fair featured rope flyers, physical marvels, such as Maximilian Mola, the eight-foot German giant, and magicians, such as Isaac Fox, 1675-1732. Hogarth's painting also includes James Figg, 1684-1734, a notable boxer and fencer. The people at the fair are predominantly white, except for a black boy dressed in red and playing the trumpet in the foreground. The boy probably belongs to the drummer woman because it is unlikely he lived freely with his parents. Whilst there is nothing unusual in this considering the social norms of the time, Hogarth mocks the child by painting a dog dressed as a gentleman and walking on its hind legs behind the trumpet player. This racist juxtaposition suggests owners treated their black slaves like dogs or even gave more care and attention to their animals. Since Hogarth frequently mocked people in his artwork, he may not necessarily condone their behavior. Instead, he pointed out the immoral behavior of society, leaving it up to the viewer to find it either funny or shocking. The Age of Enlightenment occurred during the 17th and 18th centuries, benefiting only white upper and middle class men who endeavored to learn more about the world. European superiority deepened as a result, with men believing that because they knew more, they were better than people of other nationalities. The Hervey Conversation piece, 1738-40 demonstrates the caliber of men involved in enlightening activities. John Hervey, 2nd Baron Hervey of Eckworth, 1696-1743, an English courtier and political writer, stands in the center of the painting gesturing to an architectural plan held up by Henry Fox, 1705-74. 1st Baron Holland and Surveyor General of the King's Works. It is not certain what the plans show, but Fox later built the original Kingsgate Castle near Broadstairs, Kent, in 1760. His brother, Stephen Fox, 1704-76, who lived with Hervey, potentially as a lover, sits at a table behind which a clergyman peers through a telescope. The clergyman, perhaps Reverend Dr. Conyers Middleton, 1683-1750, stands precariously on a chair that Stephen's walking stick is causing to topple over. This symbolizes the tensions between science and the church and their arguments about the truth. On the right, Hervey's colleague Charles Spencer, 3rd Duke of Marlborough, 1706-58, 
wears a red jacket and glances at the plans indicated by Hervey. Spencer is an ancestor of Sir Winston Churchill, 1874-1965, and Diana, Princess of Wales, 1961-97. The other man is Whig politician Thomas Winnington, 1696-1746, who sat in the House of Commons from 1726-1746. All six men had some influence in society, although Reverend Middleton often caused controversy and disputes. Not all paintings of intellectual men depicted them in a favorable light. In Charity in the Cellar, Hogarth shows a group of men drinking from wine bottles in a dimly lit cellar. Their behavior indicates they have drunk too much alcohol. Several empty bottles litter the floor, proving that upper and middle class men are by no means saints. The painting may also allude to tax evasion because many wine merchants imported the drink to France via Italy to avoid paying excise tax. The Statue of Charity, one of the Christian virtues, watches on as the men partake in activities that are far from charitable. Alcohol has ruined many a man's, and woman's, life throughout history. To deter her husband from drinking, Susan Schutz commissioned Hogarth to paint a portrait of her husband, Francis Matthew Schutz, in bed following a heavy night's drinking. The hungover man leans over the side of the bed, where he vomits into a chamber pot. As well as trying to curb his drinking habits, Susan may have intended the painting as a form of punishment. Records reveal Schutz had extramarital affairs and later stood trial for committing adultery with his brother's wife. During the second half of the 18th century, attitudes towards portrait paintings changed. Instead of rigid, stiff poses, sitters relaxed and artists captured individuals in informal settings. Hogarth's portrait of the Chumley family, 1732, is an example of the freedom this new method offered sitters. Commissioned by George Chumley, Viscount Malpas, 1724-64, as a memorial to his wife, Mary, who passed away from tuberculosis, the painting shows the couple sitting with their youngest child whilst the other children run around and climb on the furniture. The juxtaposition of the posing adults with the playfulness and innocence of the children reflects two different moods. Chumley, who looks over at his wife, mourns her loss, but the children's happiness shows that, despite losing their mother, they will survive and thrive under their father's protection. Ambitious high society portraits were also all the rage in Britain during the 18th century. Between 1732 and 1735, Hogarth painted the conduit piece, which depicts a group of aristocratic children performing John Dryden's, 1631-1700, play the Indian Emperor, or the conquest of Mexico by the Spaniards. The play tells the tale of the Spanish conquest of the Aztec Empire by Hernán Cortés, 1485-1547. The painting is set in the home of John Conduit, 1688-1737, who took over from Sir Isaac Newton as Master of the Mint in 1727. Due to Conduit's prestigious position, he knew many people in Parliament and the royal family. Some of the younger royals are depicted in the audience. Although informal portraits grew in popularity, traditional ones did not go out of fashion. Mary Edwards of Kensington, 1704-43, one of the richest women in England, commissioned Hogarth to paint her portrait to assert her independence. Edwards allegedly married but later denied any evidence of the ceremony. The painting reflects both Edward's financial status and her headstrong personality. Traditionally, only men portray these characteristics in portraits. Rather than a lapdog, Edward's hand rests on the head of a large hunting hound. In the background, a figurine of Elizabeth I, 1533-1603, indicates that women can exert the same amount of power as men. Emphasizing this further is a paper on the desk containing the Proclamation of Individual Rights from Joseph Addison's, 1672-1719, Play Cato, 1712. Most portrait painters from the 18th century would feel uncomfortable breaking with conformity to paint Mary Edwards in such a manner. 
Yet, Edwards and Hogarth were good friends, and she often purchased his work. Typically, only men were art patrons, but Edwards did not let this stop her from commissioning artworks, such as Southwark Fair. Hogarth often painted portraits of people he knew, for instance, his sisters. He also produced an informal study of heads of six of Hogarth's servants. It is unlikely Hogarth displayed the painting in public, and Tate believes it may have hung in Hogarth's studio. When visitors or potential sitters entered the studio, they could compare the portraits with the real people and assess Hogarth's skill. The servants include a young boy, adult women and an older man, proving Hogarth could paint all age groups. Whilst paintings of servants were rare in the 18th century, depicting them in this manner is unique to Hogarth. One of the final paintings in the exhibition is David Garrick and his wife Eva Marie Weigel, 1757-64. Whilst it does not satirize the couple as Hogarth's earlier works mocked Georgian society, David Garrick, 1717-79 disliked the outcome and refused to take it. Garrick was an actor and playwright best known for his role as the king in Shakespeare's Richard III. Hogarth depicted Garrick with a quill in one hand, as though contemplating what to write on the paper on the table before him. The intentions of his wife, Eva Marie Weigel, 1724-1822, are less obvious, as she leans over as though to pluck the quill from Garrick's hand. Some suggest Weigel was Garrick's muse and, rather than plucking the pen from his hand, Weigel is guiding his creativity. Others surmise Weigel was a prankster, preventing Garrick from working. Either way, Garrick disliked the painting. Evidence suggests Garrick and Weigel's marriage was a happy one, albeit childless, so it is unlikely that Weigel deliberately prevented Garrick from writing. Weigel, nicknamed Violetti by Empress Maria Theresa, 1717-80, was a dancer and understood the importance of her husband's work. Weigel often performed in the royal courts of Europe, and many thought Weigel's choice of husband beneath her. Perhaps Garrick did not want people to assume his success on and off the stage was due to his wife. Looking at Hogarth's work from the beginning to the end of his career provides a different impression than focusing on his popular paintings. The artworks demonstrate the changing ideas of society during the 18th century, particularly concerning race, class and gender. Whilst equality acts were still something in the distant future, changes in attitude were starting to get the ball rolling. Behind Hogarth's satirical scenes is a documented history of English society that provide just as much insight, if not more, than written descriptions. Hogarth and Europe is open to the public at Tate Britain, London, until 20th of March 2022. Tickets cost £18 but Tate members can visit for free. Advanced booking is recommended. Dash. My blogs are available to listen to as podcasts on the following platforms, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Spotify. If you would like to support my blog, become a Patreon from pound5 slash m or buy me a coffee for £3. Thank you.